Calendar House, the podcast you wouldn't notice was gone if it was suddenly replaced by a retroactively familiar-looking blue Muppet in an elf costume. Yes, it's time for another Muppet Christmas special, but today's topic takes us back to the beginning of their puppetry partnership with Christmas. So join us as we venture through the tunnels under Santa's workshop all the way back to 1970 to talk about Jim Henson's first TV holiday special ever, This is the Great Santa Claus Switch. I am supposedly world-famous wicked magician you've never heard of before, Mike Westfall. And joining me is my dragon-like prognosticator emerging from her smoldering cauldron to politely deliver news, life advice, and Muppets with no context. Please welcome Tori Schmidt. Hi, Tori. Well, hello. It is I... You can't see it because this is an audio podcast, but I'm totally wearing a fez and coming out of a smoking pot right now. It's true. It's totally not weird. (laughs) Completely in place (laughs) with everything else that happens here. Uh, And I'm also very pleased to welcome one of Muppet Wiki's happy little Christmas elves. Please welcome Tony Whitaker. Hello, Tony. Yeah, uh, uh, you're Mike and uh, which one are you? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, <got> it. <laughs> I forgot thank you both for being here i have been sitting on this one for a while now tony you know this thank you for your patience yeah you're mike and i'm the other <laughs> one <laughs> i'm hippity hopping <laughs> is this a singing podcast can i sing the whole song can be <laughs> nope i'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make the people listen to that. I won't be doing that either. So <laughs> So none of us were around in 1970, and I don't think this was ever released on home video in an official capacity, was it? Nope, just some uh TV recording somebody had. Somebody had, and yet here it is, and a thing that the three of us all know and love, so I should also say maybe not the best TV recordings. It's very blurry, the copies that are available, at least the ones I found. Yeah, sure is. I, I'm not sure when this is from, but... The copy I got was uh, digitally restored by someone named Garrett Gilchrist. Oh. I think maybe the son of Guy Gilchrist. That is, in fact, the son of um, Muppet comic strip writer Guy Gilchrist. Holy moly. Garrett Gilchrist is a very, very famous name in the lost media, and um, he does a lot. He's famous for that version of the Prince and the Thief and the Cobbler that he did from like the ground up. Oh, that's that guy. Yeah, that explains a lot. Garrett Gilchrist is a huge in like getting old media restored and that kind of thing. He's done. Was he the one who did the old Mario movie 
re, like he put out a new version of that too. I think I don't know. He's just a big name in that kind of scene. Oh, I didn't check that out. Like I have a physical copy of the Mario movie, not the new one. No, the 1993 one. <laughs> he's also a big Muppet fan, I think, and as a result, uh, a lot of the stuff that he's uh, helped uh, preserve or uh, restore. Blah blah blah. <laughs> well, yeah. for that, I'm eternally grateful, but. Yeah. Let's hear about when y'all first discovered and watched this and how often you've seen it since. And let us start with Tony. Uh, first time I heard about it was probably in the book, Jim Henson, the works. And the first time I had seen, uh, I guess, uh, actual pictures of the, from the special was this old GeoCity site by that. Somebody posted a bunch <laughs> of pictures of with uh, some guy named Ryan Dillon. Oh, wow. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Wishing the best of luck, though. <laughs> yeah, who who knows? Who knows? Who knows what he's got his hands into? A mystery. Who knows who he's typing for now? <laughs> <laughs> Tori, how about you? Um, I think I probably first heard of this special from the book uh, Imagination Illustrated, which was kind of like a collection of, of Jim's journal and some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um. But I did not watch it until the summer. I know this is weird watching the special in summer. Not to me. Um, not to you. Uh, the summer of 2021, when I was in uh, Denver, Colorado, visiting my cousin. And I was binge listening to uh, another podcast called Commitment. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd love Commitment. Um, and I had like, for some reason, I thought this special was lost. Like, I, I didn't realize it was like available in any form and so i had never seen it before and so i had watched it then and i think i've pretty much watched it every christmas since i think i might have skipped last year so i think i first learned about this in 2004 when danny horn just up and posted a whole transcript of it on tough takes <laughs> who's who's this danny horn I've, I've never i've never heard of this some guy <laughs> who writes about superheroes every day I heard he's really cool, though. I'll take your word for it. No. <laughs> Never heard a bad thing about the man. But uh, that was the year I had really started trying to find Christmas specials I hadn't seen in years and had never watched before. But it took me quite a while before I eventually watched this. I, I think the first time I watched this was about six or seven years ago of little before... I like started really actually recording this podcast and like getting the ground running for it. But I don't know whether that lit a spark in me to start this or not, but it definitely helped. Uh, and I tried to look up whether this ever aired on Muppet blocks on Nickelodeon or TNT in the nineties. It doesn't mm -hmm. look like it. I think it's because it's an Ed Sullivan production. Yes. Do we know if it ever aired again or it was just that original airing? Like I'm they had to have aired a second or third time, right? Like, I think Jim promoted it the following year on the Dick Cavett show. Okay. Oh, right. The Thanksgiving. Yes. Now, that's something you should do an episode on. The Thanksgiving Muppet episode of the Dick Cavett show. Yeah, that counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think now's a good time to do a little explaining of the history, the history of the of Great the Santa, Santa Claus. Yeah. which premiered December 20th, 1970 on CBS as a special edition of The Ed Sullivan Show. So that's why they own it. Not Henson, not Disney. Yet. 
the Sullivan Estate. That's right. So the Muppets had been making regular appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show since 1966, but Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell had been drawing up the plans that would eventually lead to the Great Santa Claus Switch, even earlier than that. One of the original draft titles I saw was The Witch Who Stole Santa Claus, and that would have starred Tamanella Grinderfall. Oh. Whom I remember best from The Frog Prince. Tammy. Tamanella. Mike, uh, Tony, I'm sure you have. Mike, have you seen the um, the Tinker D pilot with Tamanella? Yes, I have. Oh, that's that's the true Tamanella stuff. One of the most underrated Muppets ever. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Could you imagine this with Tamanilla? I totally can. And now I wish you didn't <laughs> tell me that ah. this was an option. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have every nice thing, I suppose. There are a few other titles that uh, Jim tried out. There's uh, a site called Jim's Red Book. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It has all these notes and uh, photos from the various projects. And uh, one of the documents was, it was this page of titles and it has titles like Santa Claus versus the big uglies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the witch who swept Santa Claus or the year Santa Claus was a fraud. Oh, <laughs> okay, wow. That one's fun. I like that. <laughs> that one would be. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. It was the year Santa Claus was <laughs> a, a fraud. Sigan <laughs> Thog singing about how they like their temperature at Christmas. I Mr. Thig Christmas. I'm Mr. Thog. <laughs> oh, it writes itself. Oh, people, get 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 onto the fan art, please. Yeah, make it happen. Oh, I don't think I've ever gotten fan art before. But oh, come on, people! Somebody give Mike <laughs> fan art. Thig and Thog is the Miser Brothers. Oh. I did one of the Twitter monsters of Miser Brothers. If you have that up online, I will put that in the show notes. For sure. It didn't come to me until after that Statler and Waldorf would have made a better. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you're right. Well, they already kind of look like them. (laughs) This is going off the rails so quickly. Look, if it doesn't go off the rails, is it a podcast? (laughs) No. That's how this happens. This is how my plan is supposed to go. Yeah. Anyway, Jim Henson eventually wrote up a pitch for this special, added some really nice watercolor illustrations of some characters we'll meet shortly. And after some shopping around, Ed Sullivan agreed to produce and air it in his own show's time slot. And that is how we got Jim Henson's first hour-long TV special. Wild. I assume we'll talk about the Ed Sullivan of it all later, because I've I've got some thoughts about the Ed Sullivan of it all. <laughs> Well, we can kind of get into it right now. First off, if you want to watch this, I found it on YouTube. Just do a search. It's not hard to find. But I think it should also be said that the special came about also after the first year of Sesame Street. So, oh, yeah, the Muppets had a lot of experience in uh, trying to figure out uh, developing characters and the non short format. It's really interesting to me, and maybe we'll talk about this more later, but like, it's really interesting to me how this special falls in to the development of the Muppets as we know them. Mm -hmm. Because I was thinking about it and like, uh, we'll talk about individual parts later, but like, I feel like this is the most important Muppet production, maybe of all time. I feel like it really does. There's a lot of things that start here. There's a lot of, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, people 
who start here. Yep. Two very important people in particular, which we'll probably talk about later. Mm-hmm. But I think you could make a case that this is for the Muppets, maybe not Sesame Street, but for the Muppets, one of the most fundamental specials they ever would work on. Yeah, you could pose a very good argument for that. Jerry poses is a part of it, though, but it's not a Sesame Street production. It's a Hanson production. Yes, it's very much a Hanson production, but it's very much an Ed Sullivan production. <laughs> Let's get into that. We open with Ed <laughs> <Yeah>. Sullivan himself <laughs> reading from a giant, beautiful storybook to a group of kids on a fancy set. I apparently wrote a note calling it the Queen of Hearts living room. <laughs> Oh, because everything's I have the special up because I instead of taking notes, I like to like have a YouTube video of the thing up. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. It's so white. Everything is either white or red, (laughs) except the only thing that's not is like the fire in the fireplace. Right. The Christmas tree is white with red ornaments. It's very striking, but also kind of cozy looking. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. But Ed wishes us a Merry Christmas, explains. Merry Christmas, everyone. These junctures are are the children of some of the guys and gals on our production staff. Tonight, I'm going to tell them a story. I don't think anyone was watching and wondering, who are these children? <laughs> oh, no. Did Jim Henson create them? <laughs> really, really elaborate puppetry going on. But Ed's going to tell them a very special Christmas story and introduces us to the hero of this particular story, Fred the Elf, the youngest of Santa's elves. One Fred in a long line of Freds. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, it is. Fred! mess of Freds out there <laughs> yep. in the Muppet world. And here is the section where we go through every Muppet Fred. No, I'm kidding. We don't <laughs> have time. Um, keep talking. I'm just going to count. I feel like someone did that. Yeah, it's called Muppet Wiki. <laughs> yeah, Muppet Wiki. Muppet, um, list of Freds. Okay, r- real quick. I w- be, don't Google it. I want you to guess that across the Muppet spectrum, how many Freds are there? Oh my goodness. Give me a number. 12. Muppet and human? Muppet and human. 25. I am so sorry to say it's 11. Oh, I was close. You were real close. Oh, are they counting the Fred that uh, Harvey Firestein, the e- Easter Bunny, almost names an egg? Hi, Fred. <laughs> no, they are not. Uh, uh, for a second, I thought you played the clip. And no. I'm like, how, do you, how does he have that clip ready? <laughs> Did Harvey Firestein play Fog? I was going to say, it's, I have a note <laughs> later because Fog <laughs> sounds a lot like Harvey Firestein later. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, it is Jim Henson performing this particular Fred using a voice that kind of reminds me of his baby Kermit in the Muppet Take Manhattan, but not exactly. But Oh, gosh, Santa, sir, I'm too excited to eat. After all, this is my very first Christmas with you, and I just want to help you in any way I can. It kind of just sounds like Jim. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's not a very... It's like a young Ernie. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, he actually kind of looks like. He does. Well... He looks more like Wally because I think it's the same puppet that they used for Wally on the Muppets Valentine show. I think he became a Uh, whatnot. Yeah. But here's where we also meet Santa Claus himself, played by Art Carney. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Time for the morning meeting. 
It has been a while since I brought up Art Carney on this podcast. The last time was in the Rankin Bass special, The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. Y'all ever see that? I've heard of it. It's stop motion. It's from 1981. I am convinced the only reason it exists is because Rankin Bass had the rights to the song Christmas in Killarney. Is, is that a thing? Sure is. It, it, that was a Bing Crosby song. Huh. It's Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. It's like an Irish jig song. I I should note Art Carney, lots of Muppet connections. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Because he would he would be in another Christmas special with the Muppets two years after this. Oh, you're right. The Perry Como Winter Show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see? Okay. Haven't done that. <laughs> That's more of a Perry Como special yeah. than a Muppet special, but still. I've only seen pretty much the Muppet parts. I don't, I think that's lost, isn't it? Or like that constantly gets, Oh, is it? I feel like that's one of the things that like it's on YouTube for a month and then it's not, and oh. you know what I mean? Like it just, I think the Muppet stuff is on. Perry Como estate is cracking down. <laughs> Ed Sullivan estate can't be bothered. Shh, don't tell anyone. But and Art Carney went on to uh, appear in the Muppets Take Manhattan. Mm. Oh, that's right. And of course, who could forget Art Carney in the Star Wars holiday special? Ugh. No matter how hard some may try. Darn it. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> it holds a special place in my heart. As long as we don't have to talk about a special Sesame Street Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm I'm spent on that. Well, now you brought it up. Because that's the Muppet fan version, I think, of uh, the Star Wars holiday special. You know? That or Lady Gaga and the Muppets, which I realize you also didn't cover yet. No, I'm going to have to get to it eventually, but I'm... Oh, dear. I did an April Fool's episode of my podcast where I covered that. I said, hey, we're going to cover the Muppet movie. And then we covered that instead. (laughs) Beautiful. But after meeting Santa, Ed Sullivan also introduces us to the bad guys of this story who live in a secret cave under Santa's workshop. It's a group of creepy furry characters called Frackles. And a Frackle Rock? Not Fraggles. Frackle. Nope. I Wow. Google Docs can uh, autocorrected that to freckles. It's not freckles. It's not freckles. <laughs> it's freckles. Jim, what were you thinking? You have two fictional species of creatures and you name them practically the same thing. People are going <laughs> to mess it up. Jim, <laughs> change one of the names, man. <laughs> Don't do this to yourself. And yeah, no one will notice, but... And every Frackle is unique, probably even more so than every Fraggle is. Oh, much more. You see a Fraggle you've never seen before, you could probably tell it's a Fraggle. Do the same with a Frackle, and a lot of them could pass for some kind of monster. Well, because some of them are eight feet tall. Also true. Yeah, they're all they're all unique and beautiful in their own way. Beautiful. They all work for Cosmo Scam, whom Ed Sullivan calls that famous wicked magician, the King of Evil. Oh, right. The famous one. Yes. (laughs) That's another thing Rankin Bass likes to do a lot. You've never heard of the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold? No, of course I haven't. That's why I'm listening to you tell me about it. Mike, are are you just trying to make this into a a, a Leprechaun's Christmas Gold episode? No, I already did that one. Yeah. (laughs) That's the last Leprechaun's Christmas Gold reference. Because we're going to turn it right back into a Muppet one, mister. Hey, fine by me, but... (laughs) 
Cosmo Scam <laughs> is also played by Art Carney, who's wearing a floppy black wizard's hat that I thought was a boot. You know, <laughs> Art Carney, a lot of Muppet connections. He's also played Santa Claus in a Muppet Christmas special. What? Uh, I kid, I kid. I wanted to bring up, uh, we were talking earlier about the original title of the special. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Jim's Red Book has a list of potential names for the the monster frackle characters. Oh. Ooh. And they're Cranchion, Scranchion, Scrunch, Scringe, Cranch, Grunchin. Grunchin. Grunchin was actually a, a character from Tales of the Tinkerty, wasn't he? Maybe. All I can think of is a really bad pun. I'm I'm grunching for some luncheon. <laughs> <laughs> there's also there's there's also Finch, Snurk, and finally at the bottom, Freckles. <laughs> it's like that's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there we go. Circled it. But back to Santa. It's Christmas Eve morning, and he checks in on his elves first thing for a meeting. The elves take roll call. They're gonna do this a lot. This special, but we have zippity, skippity, hoppity, bing, bong, and Fred. That's one of my favorite jokes in anything is like, here's like all of these crazy names. And then John or Bob or Fred. It's just a really funny joke. And my favorite is... All of the other elves laugh when Fred introduces himself. Like, they think Fred is the funniest name out of all of them. It's just like, ah, like you always hear Frank Oz's hoppity chuckle. Yeah, that's Fred every time. That's one complaint I have about the special. Rewatching it, I realize that there's not a lot of Jim and Frank in this. They're not really together. There isn't. No, not together. They're both in this, but Jim being the, the main character doesn't give him a lot of room to be anybody else, which... I guess was by design. I don't know, but then Frank was stuck in a big monster suit. Also true. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, we've already met Fred, but I'll quickly introduce the others. We have Jerry Nelson performing Zippity. Oh, okay. It's time for the morning meeting. Line up and shout out. Roll call. We have Daniel Seagren as Skippity. Uh, we'd like to speak to you, sir. I don't hear about Daniel Seagren's work with the Muppets enough. He didn't do much with the Muppets, if I'm correct. Yeah, it wasn't a long time. Uh, It was 1968 through the early 70s, but enough to have been involved with the Frog Prince and the Muppet Musicians of Bremen. He performed Big Bird for a couple episodes of Sesame Street. Yeah, to fill in for Carol Spinney when he wasn't feeling so hot. And I should also say... The most famous thing about Daniel Seagram. Mm-hmm. He was the very first person to ever play a live action Spider-Man. Yes. Spider-Man. Where are you coming from? <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not supposed to sing. Sorry. <laughs> I'm at the right age to have spent my early childhood watching the electric company on which Daniel Seagram gave the world our first on screen live action Spider-Man. So I, I have very fond memories of Spidey. Such memorable quotes as what a yo-yo. <laughs> it's really funny that the first live action Spider-Man comes from the electric company of all things like that's so weird it really is that surprised me when I read that I was just like wait a minute that was the first one uh, Hoppity as I mentioned is performed by Frank Oz Santa yeah I don't think that's Fred Bong is performed by John Lovelady gee anything to say sir is alright with us 
I think I talked about him on the Muppets Valentine show. He is their use crazy Donald. Yeah, crazy Donald, yeah. And, and eventually becoming crazy Harry. Lots of first season Muppet Show stuff with uh, John Lovely. Yeah, uh, I think this was his first project. Oh, really? Okay. Was it John Lovelady's for? I'm telling wow. you, this is like such a hiring spree for this thing. I thought it was before, but I checked it and it said like that was the first thing. Yeah, shoot. This was Lovelady's first one, too. Wow. I mean, I'm sure we're, we're going to talk about this later, but they hired just so many people for this because it was such a large production. Yeah, well, Bing, finally, whom I saved for last because I knew this is the debut Muppet performance of Richard Hunt. Good to see you. Hi, dancer, prancer. That's funny, sir. Yeah, that's a good joke, sir. It is? Yes, Dasher and Dancer, you're reindeers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, arguably the biggest casting they made here. There's one that you could argue is as big, which I'm sure we'll talk about her later. Mm -hmm. But like Richard Hunt, this is what gave us Richard Hunt. I mean, this is what Richard Hunt, for those of you who don't know, is Janice, is Beaker, is Scooter, is Gladys. Forgetful Jones. Is Forgetful Jones. Placido Flamingo, Don Music. Is Forgetful Jones. Oh, I think I said that one already. Everybody's favorite, Aristotle. (laughs) Aristotle! (laughs) (laughs) And Elmo. Yeah, that's right. He's such an important figure in the history of the Muppets, and he's such embodiments of what the Muppets would become. And he's such a... I mean, he's a lot of people's favorite Muppet performer for a reason. Like, he's just such an iconic figure. And this was his start. This is what gave us Richard Hunt as a Muppet performer. That's amazing. Yeah, this was his first time working with Jim. And according to Muppet Wiki, he did so well. Jim asked him to continue working with him on the Ed Sullivan show and then brought him on full time on Sesame Street. And then we would get Forgetful Jones and other characters that I'm forgetting about. (laughs) (laughs) Who's Forgetful Jones? Ah, I forgot. (laughs) So those are Santa's happy little Christmas elves. And they sing a whole song about being Santa's happy little Christmas elves as Santa gives them their tasks for the day. I really like this song. We're happy little Christmas elves. We never are forlorn. We fill up all of Santa's shelves for the kiddies Christmas morn. I, I like all the songs in this special. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I think my favorite line is Fred saying he fixed the dolls, so each boohoos, and Santa rhymes it with, while you do that, I'll super vooze. More reliable Jerry Jewel. That's right. Ah, Jerry Jewel. So Santa also shows them a new magic trick he's been working on. He attempts to make a coin disappear, but we see and hear it drop. But Fred says, look, another coin magically appeared on the floor. (laughs) It's it's a great one. I like... I feel like there's other specials where it's like Santa doesn't have magic unless it's Christmas Day. Like that's a very interesting concept. Yeah. To me, I I feel like I know, I don't know if you covered this, but the Christmas episode of the Fairy Odd Parents. Oh, I haven't yet. Which is more my generation because I'm no offense a bit younger than you. Um, I understand. Uh like <laughs> it's a thing. Like, I, I don't know. There's just something really interesting is that like Santa's not a magic thing. He just uses the Christmas magic. And without that power, he's just kind of like a normal dude who happens to live in the North Pole with elves. Like it's an interesting thing. You don't see a lot. Yeah. Like it, it, 
he's able to harness it. But other than that, it's not his magic. I, I kind of can get behind that. Yeah. But meanwhile, we venture into the mouth of a cave that's right next to Santa's workshop. Like, how'd y'all miss that? Well, it was covered by a giant boulder first. That's fair. Yeah, I didn't know whether does the boulder like open up. There's like a door in this boulder. It conveniently falls. It's a conveniently placed boulder. It's like the fake rock you put a key in. And out walk a pair of giant, full-bodied Muppet monsters. A lot of people will recognize Thog. You can't see me, but I'm, I'm pumping my fist. I'm excited <laughs> for these guys. Yeah. Thog's a giant blue Muppet I've talked about before on the Muppets Valentine show, but this is his first appearance. Yeah, gave us Thog. Not Maybe not the most important character, but like... Come on, you, you, you can't hate Thog. No, absolutely not. I think he's sort of important because he kind of led to Mr. Snuffleupagus the next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He's played by Jerry Nelson, who uh, went on to play Snuffy. And Thog sort of sounds like Snuffy, kind of acts like him, too. And sort of sounds like Harvey Firestand. Yeah, hi, Fred. <laughs> but in this... Thog's got a partner. It's a giant green Muppet named Thig. I'm Thig. And I'm, uh, 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 which one uh, are you? Thig. He's Thig, and I'm, uh, uh, I'm the other one. Who we never see again. Whom we never see again, and that is a shame. I wonder why. Like, that's a question I've had ever since we're seeing this. It's like, is it just because, like, it's... They didn't want to have to bring both puppets. Did they? Did they get destroyed in the washing machine? Like, oh what no! Happened to yeah, Thig? I wonder. Jim needed a new new carpet. And, uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's Frank Oz doing his growly, almost Cookie Monster voice as Thig. That might be the answer to why we don't see Thig ever again. <laughs> is because um, Frank Oz notoriously hated doing costume characters. Hmm. I'm surprised they got Frank to do this because, like, he, I mean, this goes back to when they were doing commercials in the 60s. He did the LaTroy Dragon. That's right. And he had a bad experience and he was like, Jim, no more costumes. <laughs> but I guess they got him to do Thig. Maybe he just really liked the character. Maybe. I mean, I, I really like Thig. I really like the both of them, but I can understand one and done. But I think maybe one reason that Thig may not be around anymore is because between the two, Thog is the better puppet. Both puppets are kind of like made uh, like a top and a bottom just mm-hmm. together. And uh, the Thig puppet, he kind of he's a little shorter than Thog. Yeah. So uh, you see that kind of ring of fur, I guess, kind of meets over. This is making sense. Yeah. No, I see what you <laughs> like. You can see where where the top and the bottom meet. Yeah, and it's right in the middle of the puppet. And every time he moves around, he kind of like it dangles in front of him. But with Thog, it's like chest fur. Right. Like it's not <laughs> noticeable. And But once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Oh, no, I see it now. <laughs> there it is. Mike yeah. and Tony. Ah. You're welcome. <laughs> but Thig and Thog work for Cosmos Gam. And here's where we're formally introduced to him and his gaggle of frackles. Yeah, that five times fast. What? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I barely got it that once. Are you kidding? But uh, Frackles in a big rock. <laughs> so the phone rings in Cosmo's cave. He yells for the Frackles to get it, but none of them do. They're all just running or flying amok. So he picks it up. 
Cosmos Scam, King of Evil speaking. What do you want? You busted open the tunnel, huh? Good, good work. Now grab Santa as soon as you can. Okay? I assume it's Thig and Thog on the other end, but where are they calling from? My thought is, how did they get a telephone line down there? That must have been a pain for the the handyman. Yeah. But wh- again, where are they calling from? I don't see another payphone at the North Pole. I'm out of payphone. Maybe they had a cell phone with them. Maybe they invented the cell phone. Oh, could be. <laughs> like 15 years before it actually happened. Or maybe Thog's just dragging a giant telephone booth with him. When Thog's ears perk up, that's <laughs> like a cell antenna. <laughs> oh, that's what the little thing on top of his head is. Yes. It's an antenna. It's an antenna. As part of his morning, Cosmo likes to catch up with the news, and he does so by walking over to a boiling cauldron and summoning Lothar, a dragon-like creature in a fez hat performed by Jim Henson, sounding a bit like the future Dr. Teeth, I thought. I certainly did. Tell me what I want to hear. You are the first of them all. (laughs) When I heard Lothar this time, I was like, that's what would happen if you mix Dr. Teeth and Rolf's voices. Yeah, it's kind of perfectly in the middle of them. And Link Hogthrob. And Link Hogthrob. There is a bit of Link Hogthrob in there. It's almost like it sounds like Jim Henson. Oh, man. What a coincidence. On my last rewatch, please don't hate me for this, but I realized that he kind of reminded me of Alf. <laughs> the way he okay, I think this is where the, the show ends. <laughs> oh, you don't like Alf? No, I've actually never seen an episode of Alf, so I can't. It's an acquired taste. It was way before my time. Yeah, and Alf's a very you had to be there concept as a whole, to be honest. Didn't he have a talk show at some point? Never mind. Alf's hit talk show that let. Oh, I don't even know how long it lasted. Alf's hit talk show. Guess which word was wrong? Hit. <laughs> show. <laughs> no offense to Paul Fusco. <laughs> Paul Fusco's great. I love him, but. Uh, seven episodes. That sounds about right. That's more than I thought, to be honest. I thought it lasted maybe six. His first guest was Drew Carey, so you you knew it was going to go downhill. Well. (laughs) I'm sorry I drug Alf into this. Alf will be okay. (laughs) Uh, He he lets out these little snarky comments sometimes, like, hooray for the home team. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that just reminded me of Alf. You are the fairest of them all. I I like Lofar. Um, It's a shame he didn't come back. I mean, he's in that episode of the Dick Cavett show we mentioned earlier, but. Oh, you're right. Other than that, he's not really around much, and that's a bit of a shame. They just kind of turn him into a miscellaneous monster. They covered him in purple fur. Mm. Just used him a couple more times, which is a shame. Yeah, did he show up in the Alice Cooper episode, I think? Uh, Actually, the Julie Andrews episode. Oh. (laughs) Wouldn't have guessed that. In the Cheryl Ladd one, I think there's a new sound song where uh, he's... They call him a lion, but... okay. Well, they put a, they put some really bad shaggy fur on him. I'm looking at that picture. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, sure. Lion fur. Right. Yep. And Cosmo asks Lothar if his plan to kidnap Santa will work, and Lothar's forecast is maybe. Pretty accurate. 
Meanwhile, back up at the workshop, it's supposed to be lunchtime, but Fred tells Santa it's his first Christmas and he's too excited and he just wants to help. After another crummy trick from Santa. Bad advice, people. Take your work breaks. Use the breaks. (laughs) Yeah. Take your work breaks. Don't work yourself too hard. Don't get too excited about your job. At the end of the day, it's a job. Take your breaks. (laughs) Feel like I'm a mother here. Like, you you can't can't overwork yourself, Fred. Take the lunch break. Yeah, sometimes you need some motherly advice. but Give Jim's arm to rest. Yeah. He wants to help so much, he sings a whole song about that. I want to help, help, help. I want to serve, serve, serve. I want to do my duty faithfully and never ever swerve. I want to do my best. I want to serve with zest. I want to help, I want to help, I want to help. But during the song, we see Thig peek through the window, and while Fred is very enthusiastically singing, Come on, Fred! Come on, Fred! Thig and Thaw quietly walk in and kidnap the Santa Claus. I have to say, none of these songs have official names. I call this song I Want to Help. Um, it's Jim Henson screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> Guy Smiley style. I have to say, and this is a hot take, this is probably in my top 10 favorite Muppet songs of all time. Wow. Wow. I absolutely love this song. It is so high energy. I hate that there's not a clean version of it somewhere. I hate it that it's never been on a soundtrack. I don't know why. It's I mean, listen, it's it's Joe Raposo who wrote almost every well-known Sesame song that wasn't written by Jeff Moss. Yeah. And so, like, he's a great songwriter. We all know this. I don't know. This this song that Fred sings, it's just it's just so infectious, the energy. And it's just like it puts me in such a good mood every time I hear it. I just love it so much. Yeah, it, it's really joyous. I think Jerry Jewell wrote the words to it. OK. And it all works well together, especially like as Santa is getting kidnapped and, and Fred is singing, call on Fred. And he calls Fred. But Fred's singing too loudly now by the end. And he notices, wait, Santa's not there anymore. And then he's just like, gee, I wonder where he went. <laughs> I wonder where does he go, Mike? So Thig and Thog brings Santa the Cosmo, who's getting nervous waiting for him. He needs something to take the edge off. He needs a cigar. Kids, don't smoke like Cosmo Scam. Unless Gonzo gives you one. Yeah, well, he's got to have a cigar. <laughs> so he opens up a cigar box and out pops a little blue freckle to hand him one. And this particular... F- goodness Drink of water. <laughs> I'm so excited. And this particular freckle looks awfully familiar. Vaguely familiar. <laughs> Almost unreal yet. Yes, this is the first appearance of the Muppet who would later become the Great Gonzo. Give me a cigar, will you? Here it is, boys. Thank you. You do good work, father. Ah, you quit. And this is just another one of the dozens of reasons that this is one of the most important Muppet specials ever made. Because, like, yes, a lot of these puppets would go on to be reused for the Muppet Show and other Muppet monstery stuff. But, like, this is where we got the Gonzo puppet, guys. Yeah. Right. We got, well, I mean, there are a lot of firsts here, but none of those other firsts are Gonzo. Not only that, but Jim Henson built the first Gonzo. Yeah. And it's. It's disgusting season one Muppet Show Gonzo. <laughs> yes, but it, yes, it's with still the, Gonzo. Oh, with, with the half shut eyes, but like, hey, depressed Gonzo. Yeah, and the like 
cubist nose right it's more like it's so uneven yeah it's all yeah like like if you've ever seen an early drawing of gonzo hey where do you get his nose a block of foam (laughs) it it looks like just straight foam dyed blue it really it does yeah same puppet same design but here he is named a snarl and he's performed by daniel segren spider-man spider-man yeah I mean, two two of the greatest characters of all time. Wow. What a resume. Spider-Man and Gonzo. Spider-Man and Gonzo. Together at last. I mean, that's all you need. Yeah, you can call it a career after those two. But <laughs> While I'm here, I want to call out one more first among the frackles. There is a green bird-looking frackle behind Cosmo's desk. You know, his cave desk. But this frackle is performed by Fran Brill in her first work with Henson. It's so, so crazy how many firsts are in this special. And like, Fran Brill, this is Zoe. This is Prairie Dawn. Yeah. This is is Fran Brill. This is the Countess. This is the Countess. It's it's the I Feel Pretty monster from the I Feel Pretty section of the (laughs) puppet show. She's Fran Brill. She's like arguably the most famous and most beloved female Muppet performer. And so it's just like, it's so great that she got her start here. Yeah. Like just thinking about how many friends and colleagues and like lifelong partners, Jim found hiring for this special is just kind of blowing me away right now. May I mention, cause there's one more. Were you planning on bringing up the, the, the last one later or who you got? I might've missed it. Marilyn Sokol. Oh my goodness! The voice of Ma mm-hmm. Otter. Yeah, the, the voice of Ma Otter, Marilyn Sokol, first joined Henson on this production. Where is she? I must have missed that. I don't know where she is. I don't know if she has a speaking line, but she is one of the puppeteers on this special. I didn't know that. So this is this is where we get Marilyn Sokol as well. Wow, Ma Otter. But she never stuck with puppetry. She never stuck with puppetry. You're right, but her voice is in a bunch of things. I yeah, mean, sure, was, sure. She was uh, Betty Lou's voice on Sesame Street for a little bit or in like some audiobooks and stuff. And obviously Ma Otter is such a big thing. But, you know, she tried her hand at puppeteering. And everybody's favorite Aunt May. Yeah. Everybody's favorite Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to Spidey. Yeah, this <laughs> no, is... no, no. No, not that Aunt May. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but like John Lovelady... Marilyn Sokol, Fran Brill, and Richard Hunt. Are you kidding me? All of their first Muppet things? Like, come on. This is huge. That's so important. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised you didn't know the Marilyn Sokol thing. I'm glad I I'm glad I read the Muppet Wiki page. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. I don't know how I glossed over that. You've covered them and Otter, right? I, I sure you. have. Oh yeah. I'm wearing a shirt of it. Oh yeah. I love that shirt. That's how I found the podcast. Really? That was your first? Yeah, I was just looking up podcasts and stuff about Emma Daughter, and yours came up, and that's where it all started. Wow. If I may, I believe the first episode I listened to yours was, um, of all things, the Doug episode. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I'm a big fan of the guest you had on that episode, his his uh, show. Oh, Greg from Paparina, yeah. Yeah, Greg from Paparina. Oh. Greg and I have been friends on the internet for almost 20 years now. Wait a minute, is that the same guy who does the uh, knickknacks? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's oh, the guy. I love those. Yeah. Shout out to Greg. That's how I found you. Okay. Shout out to Greg. 
So one Frackle lights Cosmos cigar from a flaming candlestick that gives us a big flare effect because Jim Henson loved doing fire effects just close enough to his very flammable looking Muppets to be safe. They're so flammable. And we never saw Art Carney again. (laughs) (laughs) But here comes Santa Claus and here we got our lovely camera trickery of Art Carney in the same room as himself. This trick works so well, partially because of how bad the quality of the video is. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Pretty decent editing, though. Yeah. I can like I th- I don't think I realized the first time I watched this um, that they were the same person. Oh, wow. Yeah, it looks like they have a stand in for the wide shots that include both of them. And then when we need to see Santa or Cosmo speak at length, they use close ups. You know what I say? This this special that's almost like a decade prior looks much better than the shots with uh, Mark Hamill and his cousin on the uh, Muppet Show episode. They had a bigger set to work with. Yeah. They had that Sullivan money. That's right. Santa says, it's a pleasure to meet you. By the way, can you do the disappearing coin trick? And Cosmo tells him, I can do other kinds of magic, evil magic, like poison apples. And he zaps one of his frackles and Santa tells him, oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) And at this point, I don't know whether it's just Santa's nature to be extremely sweet to everyone at all times or if he's being extra kind to Cosmo because he's in a hostage situation. Yeah, you almost killed that frackle, but cool. Explosion. (laughs) Hey, great job. (laughs) Don't murder me, please. Right. Another 50 more of you. I have a wife and Fred. I have a wife and friend. <laughs> you only see one of them, but I got both. But he tells Cosmo, I thought I'd be sociable. <laughs> and Snarl the Future Gonzo asks, are you really Santa Claus? And Santa says, yes. Would you like me to bring you something for Christmas? And Snarl would like a baseball mitt. Aww. But Cosmo quickly shuts the cigar box. Why are you being so nice when I'm trying to be so evil? Well, I'm sorry if it bothers you, I... But you see, I'm always nice to people. I'm Santa Claus. Oh, no. Oh, no, you. Not anymore, you. I beg your pardon? Let me introduce you to the new Santa Claus. And he spins around and before our eyes becomes a perfect double of Santa. And the two size each other up and walk around slowly in a circle. Stare at the camera for a hot second, just long enough for the grown-ups to notice, hey, one of those guys isn't Art Carney. Of course not, neither is. They're both Santa. Ah. Not quite Harper and Marx, but eh. Yeah, well. It's Art Carney money. Who among us? Sorry, estate of Art Carney. <laughs> so now what you're saying is we need to make a Christmas special where somebody kidnaps Harpo Marx. And pretends to be Harpo on Christmas. That's what you're saying, I think. Get Harpo on the phone. He's available, right? Oh. I tried calling him, but I didn't get an answer. (laughs) The real Santa says, it's a wonderful trick. You intend to take my place? And Cosmo explains his scheme in the form of another song. I've always felt that to justify my birth, I'd like to do something of lasting worth. So I made a bow to leave this earth just a little bit worse than I found it. And this is the exact point when I realized, oh, this really is the Nightmare Before Christmas. 
I hadn't made that connection, but I mean, they're similar-ish, except Jack in Nightmare Before Christmas isn't doing it in a malicious way. Like, he's not trying to. Yeah, he had good intentions. No, yeah, it's not beat for beat, but a bunch of Muppets just kidnapped a Santa Claus and took him to an underground cave where there's a giant green monster. Eh, Except Fig isn't played by Paul Rubin, so who cares? Yeah, well... (laughs) But this is a pretty whimsical song for an evil wizard. Well, I feel like wizards always have to be whimsical, evil or not. Yeah. It sounds almost joyful, though. He's he's really excited about his intentions. What were you wanting, a straw hat and cane? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I think I, a question I thought about for you guys while I was watching this is like, is this a good plan? Like, do you think this would work? It's not a terrible plan. So Cosmo intends to get rich by burglarizing everyone in the world. The easy part, he says, is stealing stuff, but the hard part is getting into people's houses. But that part is apparently a lot simple when you're Santa. Yeah, it's got a point. I mean, if I, if I saw Santa in my living room, I wouldn't think anything about it. No. Just giving people ideas here. All right, become yeah. Santa. Here's, here, here's the plan. If you want to steal people, come to my house. I'll tell, I'll sell, here's my address. It's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this episode may need a warning. <laughs> yes, this, this episode needs a lot of censorship bars. And Plans on kidnapping people? Traces of elf? Traces <laughs> of elf. The Advent Calendar House does not condone kidnapping any Santa Clauses or burglarizing homes. But well, You can watch all the elf you want. Watch all the elf you want. No, Mike, you need to say you don't condone Alf so people don't get any ideas. <laughs> Too late. Alfie's Already covered him twice. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Is there a Labor Day special? Or? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I like the camera work during this song. They give each frackle a second or two of the frame to themselves to just dance or fly or go nuts. It's very well done. Yeah. The, I mean, this special, I mean, for for a hour-long Christmas special uh, from 1970. It's it shot pretty well. I mean, I, I think there's some nice camera shots. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a really nice, like, crane-like shot. Yeah.-ish when they were coming out of the, like, that shot when, like, Fig and Thog are coming out of the cave looks really nice. Like, they put a lot of effort into this little Christmas special that was taking an Ed Sullivan slot. Right. Tori, you were talking about a bunch of uh, firsts from the special? Mm-hmm. I think one of them and uh, how it influenced other productions. One thing we haven't talked about was how this one uses a lot more marionettes than usual. Yes, mm. it does. We're going to get into a few more of those as we go along. A bunch of flying frackles and crawling frackles. Yeah, a lot of them here in this in this frackle scene. Yeah. And that would go on to uh, stuff like Back to Emmett Otter. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And the Muppet movie, Coming on Bicycle. And the Muppet movie. Yep. But at the end of the song, Santa tells Cosmo it's not a very nice plan, and of course it won't work. Though he must say, Cosmo looked a lot like him a moment ago. He's a great actor. Yeah. It's almost like they're played by the same guy. (laughs) Mm. So Cosmo gets so fed up with Santa's niceties that he tells Thig and Thog to take him to the dungeon. And they almost take the wrong Santa before Cosmo shouts, Not me! But you're a good actor, Cosmo. <laughs> See, I refuse to do a thog impression because I don't want to embarrass myself. We've all embarrassed ourselves enough this show. I've gone this far. I'll speak for myself. 
we're recording a Muppet podcast. I, I think the embarrassment's already out there. Yeah, right. Comes with the territory. Uh, but yeah, they needed to sell how much Cosmo really does look like Santa. He orders Thing and Thog to stand guard to see to it that Santa doesn't get hurt. After all, he is a legend in his own time, he says, which is kinder of him <laughs> than I expected. Gotta show him a little respect. I guess so. Not much, but... Just a smidge. Show me some respect. <laughs> Tells all the frackles to leave. We see them all creep away slowly. Then he summons Lothar again to tell them he successfully kidnapped Santa. Pray for the home team. Yay. Now all that's left to do is fly off in that sleigh and burglarize everyone. But Lothar reminds Cosmo, first, he's got to convince all the elves that he's the real Santa. And back at the workshop... Fred tries to tell the other elves he doesn't know where Santa went, but they tell him, don't worry about it. Maybe he had an errand to run. And that's when Santa returns and greets the elves with, oh, hi, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen. Elves think it's a good joke, silly old Santa. They missed a great opportunity for a joke. Oh? When Lothar's telling Cosmo how to pretend to be Santa Claus, he says, well, you sound kind of, he says, ho, ho, ho a lot. I really wish that Art would have ran with every time he laughed, he would go, ho, 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 a lot. <laughs> that would have been a good one. But Fred asks where Santa's been, but Santa changes the subject. Uh, ho, 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 I say, you guys building a lot of toys for old oh, Santa Claus? Good, good, keep you out of trouble. Well, I think I'll take a little nap now. And he walks into the other room, which is the coat closet. And he falls into Narnia. <laughs> Haven't we all walked into a broom closet every now and then? At least once. We've all done it. Yeah. <laughs> Three times a week for me. There you go. <laughs> it just, it comes out of nowhere. I think I'm going to the bathroom and there's a broom in there. Good grief, it's a running gag. So instead, Santa tells the elves to get out of the workshop. One elf asks if it's time for their cookie break. And oh, yes, that's it. Go take your cookie break. <laughs> Can we normalize cookie breaks? I'd like that. Okay, so we're pausing the recording now okay. to go take a cookie break. That's what I that's what I've heard, right? All right, we'll be back. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Santa's bag is full of great gifts this Christmas from Norelco. He's got triple headers, the shavers the blades couldn't beat for closeness, and super fast ladies' shavers. Our better cup of coffee line and helpful sun and heat lamps. The fast salon-style Norelco hair dryer and our convenient travel press. Norelco. Even our name says Merry Christmas. It's Christmas! Hello, my name is Adam and I'm the host of Merry Britsmas, a podcast about festive things from a British perspective. It's mostly me rambling about TV specials and episodes from the UK, such as The Royal Family and Doctor Who. 
I also like to talk about Christmas songs and explore British covers, as well as deep diving some classic British Christmas music. To add a false sense of intelligence, I'll also try to educate you on British traditions such as the Christmas number one, or boxes of chocolates. If you are British and want to get nostalgic, or aren't British and want to find out a little more about holidays on our shores, then please check out Merry Britsmas. Happy blooming Christmas to you and all. Is it just me or are these elves kind of more sweeter than some other characters? Oh yeah, they're all sweet and innocent and that's what I like about them. They look like head emptying nothing in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at a still of Fred right now and it just looks like there's, there, there's no light behind those eyes. There's some nice designs. They're kind of gangly looking <laughs> got these weird kind of olive portion bodies and arms i forget which one's which and i apologize but the one that's played by jerry nelson i, I think that's the best designed of them all i believe that is zippity mm. which i actually just realized that would have been the first part of this special i ever seen was in a jerry nelson tribute reel after he died it was a clip of zippity oh wow yeah. okay great way to start santa you're smoking a cigar <laughs> yeah yeah so now santa cosmo thinks he's alone in the workshop so he takes off his fake beard but he's not alone fred's still there what did you do with the real santa claus are you gonna come clean or do i have to beat it out of you huh you gotta be kidding no now listen if you're gonna play it that way put up your dukes you yeah remember what i said about them being sweet earlier <laughs> <laughs> fred's no pushover yeah you take him fred yeah, well, we immediately cut to Cosmo, bringing Fred to his cave. But I love that Fred's still trying to act tough. He's like, my boys have the cave surrounded. No, they don't. Yeah, shorty. Freckles <laughs> <laughs> are calling him names. Yeah. So Cosmo has another large freckle take Fred to a different dungeon. This guy looks like they took Thig and gave him a beacon horns. Does he have a name? I don't think he has a name. No, he doesn't have a name. It's just... Fig with the beak. And it's Richard Hunt performing this one. I'm thinking, you know, we have Fig, we have Thug. I'm thinking this is Thug. Thug? I like it. Or Thug. <laughs> no, Thug is like, that's a thing already. Yeah, that was taken. And unfortunately, like Thig, we never see this one again. But Richard Hunt went on to perform another giant Muppet monster. He sure did, yeah. Yeah. Sweetums, we didn't mention Sweetums when we were... We did not raffle off Sweetums when we were going through Richard characters. No, we didn't. You're right. Imagine that the first Muppet production and you got a one with Jim and the others and you got this big character, too. Yeah, you're right. Richard guy's going places. Mm-hmm. Also had the revelation. We did not say he plays Statler as well. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, and while we're talking about it, Junior Gorg, there's another oh full size yeah. Muppet. Yeah. Richard wasn't in that costume. Trip oh, that's right. Back. Yeah, yeah. But he was the, he did the, the mouth movements. Did the and, mouth and movements. For, mm -hmm. One of Richard's characters we also didn't talk about is another favorite, Winnie Wiggins. Winnie Wiggins. <laughs> and I think we're done with the Richard characters. <laughs> we are spent. But uh, So Fred's still trying to scare his captors, claiming he's actually super elf, but that doesn't work. He is carried off. Cosmo asks Lothar, okay, now we're good, right? Nope. What are you going to do with the other elves? Find out this one is missing. 
So Cosmo <laughs> decides to replace Fred with a frackle and hope no one notices. And we fade back to the workshop where the elves are back to work singing their theme song, except at the end, posing as Fred, is a green frackle we find out later is named Gloat. And Fred. Congratulations, they really think you're Fred. I feel like this Gloat puppet appears a lot on The Muppet Show. Yeah. Like, it's one of the iconic Muppet Show background monsters. Another first. The great puppet. It is, it is so, uh, I don't think we're talking about this yet. The amount of new puppets built for this special. Yeah, all of these frackles get reused over and over again. Most of them are new. They built so many puppets for this thing. Sure. It's crazy. I mean, that's that Ed Sullivan money right there. Yeah, well, and I'm glad they got to hang on to all of them and reuse them again. Yeah. Well, you know, Jim Jim was smart. He always made sure to retain copyright to every character he's ever built. Yeah, that's huge. That's how Rolf started on commercials, but Jim Jim kept that because he knew what he was worth. Sure did. Yeah. So now Hoppity tells Santa, I don't think that's Fred. And now it's his turn to be thrown in the dungeon. I like the sequence. They go through every elf having a, hey, wait a minute moment. Quickly cut to that elf getting taken to Cosmo's dungeon till eventually they're all locked up. Cosmo didn't even try to hide it for the last three. No. All he does is just grab his beard and jiggle it around. Yeah, that's right. That's just, that's just laziness. I, I do. My one problem with this special, and it's a very minor one, is that I feel like this falls into it, is I feel like you could cut like 10 or 15 minutes from this special. Yeah. Like, I feel like it, like it's, it's 55 minutes and I feel like it could be 45 minutes. And I feel like there is some repetition, a little bit of stretching for time. And, and this is one of those things, you know, they had a time slot that they had to fill. And yeah, I agree with you. But also when Ed Sullivan gives you an hour, you use that hour. Yes. And if, if I was going to cut anything, it would probably be Ed Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need him. But now Zippity, Skippity, Hoppity, Bing Bong, and Fred are replaced by Snivelly, Snickery, Boopity, Snarl, Scoff, and Gloat. <laughs> Couple more familiar faces there. Yeah, yeah, we already mentioned Snarl. We talked about Gloat. We would see Snivelly later become Droop on the Muppets Valentine show. Yeah, and then that same puppet be used uh, as Nigel in Muppets Tonight. I think Nigel and Droop are two different characters, or two different puppets. No, Nigel and Droop. No, no, I don't mean Nigel as in the Muppet Show conductor. I mean Nigel Muppets Tonight. They're the same puppet. They're pretty close if they're not, like, definitely they use the bases of Droop for... Or at least design bases of Droop, yeah. Yeah. And then that um that blue frackle with the, the yellow eyes, that was also used all the time. It's one of my favorite background yeah. Muppets. Mm-hmm. Do they still use that now, maybe? Probably. Not the exact puppet, obviously. I don't think a puppet. They went through the trouble of rebuilding him for the Muppet Show. I guess they liked him so much. Sure, yeah. Don Celine makes a heck of a puppet. Sure does. So the elves are now all locked up together, and Fred tries to rally them all to do something to save Christmas, but it's already 10 o'clock. Santa will be leaving in two hours. Fred tries to tell them we should escape from this dungeon, rescue Santa, and save Christmas. They all groan at him like, thanks a lot, Fred. We need a real plan. Well, because, like, Fred's just saying the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, guys, I have a plan. 
Hey, we're locked up. We should leave. Guys, we're recording a podcast. We should record the podcast. You're on to something. Like, yeah, no doubt. That's ex- that's, ex- <laughs> Fred, that's that's my other small problem with the specials that Fred is such a milk toast character. Yeah. With so little personality. I mean, he he means well. He's just kind of too cutesy for my liking. I, again, I really like this special. Um, enough to agree to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What I'd like to know is, was that ever a thing where he leaves at midnight? No, like I've heard people say that he arrives at your house specifically at midnight. Thanks, Andy Williams. But uh, leaving at midnight's weird. Like I have talked about the logistics of Santa's flight on here so many times that None of this got to leave by midnight at whatever time zone they're using at the North Pole. Maybe it's just midnight North Pole time. Yeah. North Pole time zone is all the time zones. So you're telling me NORAD lied to me again? It's a work. (laughs) I want to call out these wide shots here. One elf is walking around marionette style, pacing around the cell. It's a really nice shot. Always like seeing Muppet feet in action. Okay. <laughs> that was a sentence. They're, 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 they're okay. That quote's not going to take out of context. <laughs> hey, listen, I am the no context person, so. Ah. I think they did marionettes better when they just had Emmett and Ma Otter sliding around on the ice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a high point. This is another one for me. Meanwhile, Santa's in another cell with Thig and Thog inside with him, and Santa's still friendly with him, shows them his disappearing coin trick that doesn't fool them. He's also still confident he'll be leaving in a couple of hours to deliver presents, and poor sweet Thog goes, well, okay, and goes to unlock the door before Thig holds Santa off and says, whoa, what are you doing? I forgot. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) <laughs> See, I'll try to do a thing impression, but I won't impress impersonate Thog. That's my line. Okay, I'd be, I be Thog, you be Thig. Okay. Perfect. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming us to the podcast, Mike. Thig and Thog are here. Could not be happier. Da, 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 Thank da. you. But here's, Wait a minute. <laughs> but here's where Santa asks them if they'd like something for Christmas. And Thig asks for a new club because his is worn out. And Santa explains, no, you can't. You have to ask for something nice, like a bicycle or a truck. I hate to think what he's been using that club for. Clubbing people. What if you what if you want a nice club though? What if you want like a nice diamond gold club to put on your mantle? Like you should be able to ask for a club for Christmas. Come on, Santa. Yeah, that could make a club nice. But Thog focuses on the idea of getting a truck and asks Santa, Will you really give me a toy truck? And Santa says, I certainly would, and makes a toy truck appear on the spot. And that causes Thog's eyes to pop open and his ears to perk up like a dog's. Well, a little, a little before he sees the truck. Yeah, a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a weird sentence, but I love Thog's ears. They're great. And they apparently provide cellular service. <laughs> I just realized the parallel between this special and uh, the the Wickedest Witch special. <laughs> <laughs> with Drew McClanahan underground with a bunch of 
idiot puppets. We're gonna. I think we're gonna come <laughs> on to a, a a common line between the two of them later. Now that you mention it, but before that, Fig whispers something in Santa's ear, and Santa gives Fig a teddy bear. Then he asks Santa, "Wait, how are you making this stuff appear?" And Santa explains by magic. And Thick claims, you're not magic. You couldn't even make a coin disappear. And here is where Santa admits, you're right. He's not really the magician here. It's Christmas that's magic. For tonight is Christmas Eve and already it's magic is beginning to work. And he waves his arm around the cell. And suddenly it's full of decorations and a tree and a lit fireplace and toys, including... Was that a Bugs Bunny doll I saw in the fire? Oh, not in the fireplace. Was that a Bugs Bunny doll <laughs> I saw by the fireplace? Burn, buddy, burn. <laughs> is, is there? A, hold on, I'm looking at the. I saw it too. I wow, it's so blurry. I can maybe sure. I'll say yeah. Looks like him. Oh, I think I see it. Yeah, I saw Mickey Mouse in the workshop too. Oh, did you? Little do those Muppets know. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, you know who is in this special? I just, I just, I'm, I'm scrolling through. There's a in one of the shots. You can kind of see something that looks like Santa Claus. What? Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh, there he is, and he's singing a song called "It's Christmas Time." When there's holly in the hall and the wreaths upon the wall, when the night is filled with song and snow. And the candles are set forth, and the star shines in the north, upon a quiet world below. That Garrett Gilchrist guy is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a really sweet song, and Art Carney kind of crushes it. It is my favorite song of the special, too. Uh, It's No, I Want to Help, but it's sweet. (laughs) Yeah, well, both of them should go on your Christmas playlist. I think the one during the credits is better, though. But yeah, anyway. that the version that the, the yeah they reprise it at the end there. I don't know who owns it. I don't know if I need to yell at the Hensons or the 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 Sullivan Estate, but figure out and put the Great Santa Claus Switch soundtrack on streaming. Just do it. Make it so. Put it on Spotify and Apple Music. Just figure it out. Right. Or have the Muppets cover it. Or do that. Or have the Muppets cover it. Disney, I know you're. I know you listen to this show. Man, Bob Iger, I know you listen to this. I've heard Sesame Street characters God. singing "This Is Halloween." So, what? There's this. Whoa, 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 uh, there's this. Uh, what? There's a Sesame's Place Parade, and yeah, apparently they were singing "This Is Halloween." Okay, I'm gonna add that to the Google list. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. Well, I, I'm in New York for school at the moment, but like I live really close to Sesame Place normally. Yeah, so do my parents. But after this song, Thog asks Santa why he always gives stuff to people. And Santa says it's hard to explain, but giving makes a person feel very good. So Thig gives it a try. He offers Thog his teddy bear. And Thog offers to trade for his truck. And they are instantly hooked. They've got the Christmas spirit, so much so that they let Santa out of the dungeon. But they never give each other their toys. They never give each other toys. Just like, now nah, let's let Santa out first. But then wait. Here comes Cosmo saying Santa has convinced Thig and Thog into deserting him. And to their credit, they stand by Santa saying, We gotta save Christmas because Christmas is magic. That's right. 
it, it just popped into my head. Here comes Cosmo Scam. Here comes Cosmo Scan right by Cosmo Scam Lane. <laughs> now it's stuck in my head. See, again, you, Mike, you got to make an all musical episode where you force your guests to sing. Oh, dear. Silent <laughs> night. Yeah, they all have to choose. They have to choose a voice. But <laughs> Cosmo shows him some of his own magic. And I don't quite hear what he says here. The frabble, crook. But whatever spell he casts, it makes all the decorations and the toys and the tree disappear in a puff of smoke. Wow. Guy's powerful. Yeah. That was a nice tree. I liked that tree. It was a really nice tree. That would have been a tree perfect for Mr. Willoughby. Yes, it would have been. It would have been a tree better than Ed Sullivan's. Oh, yeah, a lot better than Ed Sullivan's. Ed Sullivan got the tree that Lucy wanted Charlie Brown to get. What What in the world? Can Can we go back and, like... Who, who designed the set for that? Because the rest of this special, the sets look great. It's that what Ed Sullivan bit that looks awful. I don't know. But quick shout out. Like, seriously, the sets look really good. Oh, yeah. Cosmo's whole cave looks amazing. It's like a pop-up book. It does. Yeah. 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 And the workshop's not bad either. No, it's it's a really nice looking workshop. It's not too big, but it's cozy in there. It's like a hammer space shop. Yes. <laughs> well, then Cosmo puts a comically large lock on the cell door and puts the comically large key that goes with it into his pocket, sarcastically wishes them a Merry Christmas, and Santa the Pure of Heart sadly wishes Mr. Scam a Merry Christmas as well. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, Merry Christmas. Mr. Scam. He does seem like a very kill-them-with-kindness sort, more than I'm used to seeing, even from Santa Claus. Yeah, this is a very pacifist Santa, Yeah, if I've ever seen one. Well, it worked on Thig and Thog. Meanwhile, Fred and the other elves have made disguises that look like rocks, and they're hiding inside them, and Fred shouts, Help! Help! The elves have escaped! Any guesses on how they made the costumes? Well, they make a bunch of toys, so why not just grab a rock and make it out of a, in, into a costume? Yeah, they still got rock hammers in their uh, <laughs> or chisels or whatever they use to make their wooden toys in their uh, utility belts there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they got a little chisel holster. Question answered. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just threw them in jail in the cell so quickly. They just, I guess they didn't. Frisk them. 19 years and a rock hammer, and they uh, made like tiny little Shawshank tunnels in each rock. It's magic. Yes. But but Fred shouts out, help, help, the elves have escaped, getting the attention of the nameless guard that looks like Thig, but with a beak and horns. Kind of bummed this guard doesn't have a name. His name is Thig. Oh, that's right. Thig, Thig. We should call him a Thig. Yeah. Evolved Pokemon Thig. <laughs> if the elves have escaped, who are you? Uh, I'm not an elf. Well, this is dumb. This guard is a touch smarter than Thig and Thogar, recognizes this is dumb, and says as such, but uh, he still opens the cell door to check, and oh no, it appears to be true, so he looks around the cave in a panic before running out to look for the escaped elves, and he leaves the door wide open to allow the elves disguised as rocks to quietly follow him out. Uh. And if 
after they're out of the cell, they decide now's the perfect time to do a line dance to what Fred jokingly calls rock music. Now this is really what you'd call rock music. <laughs> so suddenly doing a song in the middle of danger, underground, rocks. It's Fraggle Rock again. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's funny that you compare it to Fraggle Rock because this um, rock music, I'm doing quotes, you can't see me, but I'm doing quotes. Uh, this rock music thing feels like it could be a directless sketch out of Muppet Show. Like the humor and the little dance, it feels so Muppet Showy. It really it's is. Like, it's the exact kind of terrible punge you would hear at, at the dance or Vets Hospital. Like it's that kind of humor. And again, it's just like one of those DNA things that, you know, this is special, so important. Yeah, yeah. Fred makes a wonderful joke. I used to be scared, but this costume has made me a little bolder. Here's where I had the wickedest witch comparison, Tony, because uh, Fred says, Isn't it great? That frackle took us for granted. That's a little play on words there. Ooh. As in bad puns are the best type of puns. They sure are. The song kind of reminded me of uh, that Sesame Street segment, Eight Balls of Fur. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. But uh, now the elves have made their way to Cosmo's office, I guess I'll call it. It's a cave, but it has a desk, so it's an office. But, I think calls it an office later. Oh, d- yep, there it is. But they're tiptoeing past Cosmo, who's now wearing a marvelous pink shirt with his name on it over a lightning bolt. <laughs> Somebody make that shirt. Hey. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of super grovery. It is kind of super grovery. It's a very similar lightning bolt to that. Yeah. Anyway, Cosmo summons Lothar again. And for some reason, Lothar's not in his cauldron anymore. Now he's behind Cosmo up in the rafters. I guess Jim had enough of that dry ice. That could be it. We ran out of dry ice. Just put yeah. Lothar up there. His arm for his last time. This this scene also... Um, this is one of the uh, my negative points in the special because I'm not going to say what word he says, but he says a word that we don't say anymore in this bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I even had a note for that, but you're right. Yeah. He, he says a word that we now know as a, a slur towards the Romani people. Yeah. Uh, in a joke. That's the only part of the special that I would say has aged poorly. Mm. Um in a cultural way, but um, yeah. In response to Cosmo asking, "Why can't you stay in your pot?" I don't know. I still like Lothar. Yeah, Lothar's great. He says it's a quarter to midnight. Cosmo had better leave soon. So Cosmo gets ready to leave, but first he wants to put the key to Santa's cell somewhere safe. And Fred stupidly pops up out of his rock costume and shouts, "Aha!" Takes everyone else a minute, but they finally realize it's an elf in rock's clothing. So. Cosmo grabs a big bag and stuffs the elves disguised as rocks inside, but Fred bites his finger and gets away. <laughs> I love you, Fred. Use your chompers. I love that really anno- annoying frackle that just screams, You dropped him! You dropped him! <laughs> yes. You dropped him! You dropped him! Oh, I got him! He bit my finger! <laughs> Desperate times call for biting measures. I think there's Fran again. I will say my least favorite frackle is about to appear. Yeah, because Lothar asks Cosmo, shouldn't you sound the alarm, O leader of us all? Oh, you had an alarm the whole time? Yes, the alarm is another frackle hiding in a nearby cabinet who casually shouts, alarm, alarm, emergency. Alarm, alarm, emergency, oh help, help, ding, ding, ding. 
surprised our guest star Paul Lind. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you sound like alarm, alarm, emergency, help, help, help. Ah, but <laughs> this, 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 the the Paul Lind freckle is my favorite freckle. He just he's not because he's Paul Lind, but because his he just looks he looks like a horse. Yeah, he's got a weird look to him. All the time he spent working on Gonzo and Boppity and Gloten. Well, some of them had to... Okay, it's done. There. Yeah, yeah. look. They, they, they can't they all be things. Gonzo. There's <laughs> another really strange one that pops up. It doesn't really look much like a monster. It's this big purple bird thing. Yeah. It sticks its head out for a second. Uh-huh. Every puppet can't, can't be, be Gonzo. Gonzo. <laughs> That wouldn't be so sorry, fun. Beautiful. That's a Beautiful. You covered that last month. Sure did. Last, last time. Yep. This brings out all the other freckles. Cosmo instructs them to look for Fred, says he looks like a rock. So we get this lovely minute or so of chaos as the freckles examine every rock in the cave. Is this him? No, he's got legs like an elf. Fred looks <laughs> like a rock? Poor fella. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We do see Fred poke his head out from behind Cosmo's desk and grab the key to Santa's cell before anyone can see him. But Cosmo has run out of time. He has to go hitch up the reindeer and brings Lothar with him despite Lothar's matter-of-factly saying, I don't want to go. Yes, you've got the plan. I don't want to go. Cosmo casts some explosion in his direction to persuade him otherwise. Tells Gloat, the frackle who replaced Fred, not to let anyone out of the cave, and off goes Cosmo. With Lothar sort of flying? Yeah, Lothar flies! I forgot he flies! <laughs> well, he kind of flies, he's just kind of... Flapping, hovering, treading water. It had been a second, and I was I was really expecting, because he says, don't let anybody leave, and I was expecting the lazy joke of... Boss, you just told me not to let everybody leave, and like him trying to stop Cosmo. From That's what I thought the, they were going to do. Like, I was really expecting that joke, <laughs> but I was glad they didn't. It's such, such a lazy joke. No, they saved it for the cookie tree. <laughs> they also kind of did it for the uh, fog, almost letting Santa out before. Yeah, that's mm. true. Yeah, don't overdo it, but. Meanwhile, we follow Fred wandering through the back section of the cave, which is much quieter, but also much larger. According to Ed Sullivan, Cosmo's cave had about a million miles of tunnels. That's a lot of miles. So that's like half a studio, right? Well, for reference, one million square <laughs> miles is about the size of Kazakhstan. Cosmo's camp? Oh, Kazakhstan. Cosmo's camp. Yeah, well, <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> Please tell me you picked that on purpose. For the I didn't. I did not. I looked on just like which country is about a million square miles and it happens to be Kazakhstan. Wow. Oh. No, the note I made was Cosmo Scam lives in the depths of the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Fred gets lost pretty quickly. Meanwhile, Fig has tried and failed to break the lock of their cell, and Thog asks Santa why he can't use his magic to open it, and Santa explains, well, the magic of Christmas can bring things like toys and candy canes and joy, but it can't open padlocks. Not that kind of magic. See, here's what he should have done. He should have used it to turn the lock into candy oh. and then eat it. Yeah! Eat through the bars. 
Technically, he decorated the prison. He didn't really change anything. That's true. I yeah. know, but come on. I'm sorry. I'm not on Cosmo's side. I'm not on Cosmo's side. <laughs> he changed the hearts of Thig and Thog. Sure did. And this is when Thog remembers Santa said nothing could stop him from delivering those toys. And Santa acknowledges, yeah, I did say that. So something's got to happen. And that's when Fred happens to quite literally stumble upon Santa's cell by almost falling through the ceiling. What an unbelievable coincidence. Yeah, and here we get that lovely little exchange of Santa! Fred! That's Fred! Who's Fred? I'm Fred. Hi, Hi Fred. Fred! Hi, Fred again! Hi, Fred again! Harvey Firestein. Thog sounding very much like Harvey Firestein. Uh, so Fred drops Santa the key, but now they've only got three minutes till midnight, so Santa asks Fred to go and stop Cosmo from taking off, and at first I thought, is a few minutes after midnight going to make that much of a difference? But then I remembered every time I've ever had a flight delay, and yes, it matters. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's fine. The whole state of Montana won't get any gifts, but eh, we'll, we'll figure it out. You better go on ahead and try to stop Cosmo from leaving with my sleigh. But uh, how do I do that? You'll think of a way. What sort of was? I said you'll think of a way. I said you'll think of a way. And out they go. We see Cosmo outside with the sleigh all ready to go. We see him hitching up some, well, I guess they're technically Muppet reindeer. They're not like lightning from Elmo Saves Christmas. And I thought they were just set pieces at first, but they make subtle movements like wagging their tails. So they appear to be marionette reindeer. I I remember when I first saw this uh, a couple of years ago, I was really not impressed with the reindeer. And I remember them being quite poor. But then rewatching them here, I'm like, oh, wait, no, these are a lot more articulate than I remember. They're not like full Muppets, but they're not bad. Yeah, at first they kind of look flat, but they, I guess they're stylized. Right. I thought they were just set pieces. But yeah, then you then you see the move and you're like, oh, wow. And that's what makes it look even more like a pop up book. Mm-hmm. I would I would again, they're not because like who owns this? The Sullivan estate, you know, whatever. Right. But like. I would pay good money for a great Santa Claus switch pop-up book. That would be a great thing to own. You know, yeah, yeah. they could do it. But somebody get like Sullivan Estate, Henson Estate, do it. Make it so. Somebody call Luke Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so Fred sneaks up to the sleigh and says to himself, Well, here I am all set to be the hero. Oh, I wonder how I'm going to do it. But hey, at least he found his way out of the cave. Santa, meanwhile, has not, because Thig and Thog don't remember the way out. That's not the way. That's not <laughs> the way. That's not the way. No. They finally make it back into Cosmo's office, where they find a bag full of Santa's other elves. But of course, all the other frackles find and surround them. Santa says, you don't really think you can keep me here, do you? And Thog tells Santa to explain to them all about the magic of Christmas. And despite brief roaring laughter from all the other frackles, Santa waves his hand around the cave again, and instead of decorations this time, he's given every frackle a little hat. Aww, and they, they all look so cute. Yeah, and something about those hats make them all instantly mellow out and calmly almost whisper to each other, Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, too. Merry Christmas, fella. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks. Merry Christmas. About 10 minutes ago, we had to convince Thig and Thog 
about the magic of Christmas. Now he just waves his arm, and all of a sudden they're all Merry Christmas. We, we had a we we had a whole song to convince Stinging Fog, <laughs> and then everybody else is just a wave of the hand. I'm not singing that again. Nope, you get the magic shortcut. <laughs> But it's a bizarre but sweet little flip of the switch. Maybe that's the real great Santa Claus switch. Oh, it's the friends we made along the way. So <laughs> Santa asks the Frackles if they'd like to come to his workshop. And they all say, yeah, sure. They got nothing better to do. Yeah. And back <laughs> on the surface, Fred has thought of a plan at the very last second and unhooks the reindeer from the sleigh. So when Cosmo cracks a whip and says, giddy up, they do, and they fly away without the sleigh. And Cosmo now sees Fred standing in front of the sleigh like a little protester in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Waves his hand. <laughs> That's <laughs> one comparison. <laughs> it's the same Fred doing the put up your dukes earlier, so he's trying. Yeah. But but Cosmo with he says gafarkle snarkle pop and summons an explosion that knocks Fred off his feet because no one but, can resist a good Muppet being tossed into the air. Well, then then Cosmo murders Fred. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it looks like. Yeah, it does. It does. It really looks like he got killed, folks. <laughs> no one can resist a good Muppet being tossed in the air. Muppet eating. Yes, yes. So Cosmo chases after the reindeer shouting, Hey! Doc! Grumpy! Sneezy! Dopey! Get back here! <laughs> Everyone else is laughing at the Snow White reference. I'm like, there's a body just lying here. <laughs> Fred's lifeless Muppet body is lying in the snow when Santa and the others emerge from the cave now and Santa picks up Fred and asks if everything's all right. Now Fred comes to, replies, oh, I guess so. Did I stop Cosmo? And Santa assures him, yes, you did. You're the hero of the day, Fred. There's a moment where they're all coming out of the cave. I talked about how uh, the marionette work was kind of, eh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a moment where uh, they think he kind of moves forward and he, he ends up dragging a couple of the elves by the strings. Oh, no. <laughs> Gotta watch that again. I think Santa does the same thing. <laughs> Come on out, everyone. I'm very proud of Fred in this moment. He finally got to help, help, help. Yes, he did. Santa whistles for the reindeer to come back, and Cosmo tries his magic exploding words on Santa, and they do nothing. And I'm waiting for some kind of explanation like... Fred's sacrifice triggered an ancient protective magical barrier around the North Pole, but no, it's just after midnight. It's Christmas. I don't know why, but this this triggered a labyrinth thought in my head. It's like you have no power over me. Mm. <laughs> like that's what that's what again. It all go, it all goes back to the Great Santa Claus switch. Yeah. Wow. Wait, but maybe that's why Santa has to go at midnight. <laughs> maybe he'll turn into a goblin. <laughs> Because that's when his magic works. Yeah, it, it is now Christmas proper. Yeah. But Cosmo says he'll just get all the frackles to kidnap Santa again. Oh, wait, no. They've all caught a case of the Christmas spirit because they have hats now. They'd rather wave and giggle. Sure. Hey, listen. You leave my boss for a hat? Thousand percent. I'll take the hat every time. Yeah. Free hat? 
And at Santa's request, Fred tells us all about it by reprising Cosmo's song from earlier, but turns it around to be about a bundle full of joy every Christmas Eve. A bundle full of joy every Christmas Eve. A promise of peace we can all believe. And no one has learned that as well. When I remembered it was Cosmo's song from earlier that we're reprising, this is a holly jolly slap in the face, and I <laughs> like it. Not only that, but his former henchman singing it to, to him, too. Yeah. That's a great phrase. I got to start using that more. Holly jolly slap in the face. A holly jolly <laughs> slap in the face. Have a holly jolly slap, slap in the face. Slap in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but not too hard of a slap because Santa tells Fred to bring everyone in the workshop where there are presents waiting for him, even for Cosmo. But Cosmo's the king of evil, wants nothing of the sort. Isn't that right, Lothar? Oh, wait, Lothar's got a new hat, too, and it makes him happy. So Cosmo walks off alone while everyone else continues singing and Santa flies off into the moonlight. And Ed Sullivan closes his book and wishes us all a very Merry Christmas as well. And that's... Almost it. There's a nice little shot of miniature Santa flying over everybody else. Yeah, I do like that. There's like a post-credit scene to this Christmas. Yeah. Stay for the credits. During the credits, we see Cosmo sulking outside the workshop by himself until Thog walks out, silently gives him a present, brings him inside where everyone else is singing Santa's song. It's Christmas time. Yeah. And dare I call out that the credits list our Muppet performers as puppeteers. You know, <laughs> at least they didn't replace that P with an M. That's right. Because then Brian <laughs> J. Jones would be very mad. <laughs> I made the mistake of having a poll. You just oh, called out boy. the people. You, you taught people a lesson. Puppeteers is OK. Yeah. Muppeteers is wrong. Don't ever say it. And then a whole Tough Pigs article got written about that poll. <laughs> Frank Oz once said that they made them sound like elves. Hey! Like happy little Christmas elves. <laughs> yeah, like Fred! That, that, that wasn't quite the quote he said, but close enough. Yeah. But This is a family show. Well. I'm like Alf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is it. Any final thoughts on the great Santa Claus switch? When we were sitting here, I've had the Muppet Wiki page open. And it, I highly recommend you go to the Muppet Wiki page because Muppet Wiki is this beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but also there's a great page from like a magazine ad for the special. Yeah. Um, with Thog staring at Ed Sullivan, who is staring at Cosmo Scam, who is staring at Lothar, who is staring at you. <laughs> and it's this beautiful one page. And Ed Sullivan just looks so out of place. And yet not. <laughs> Um, and my other one thing, cause I, I glitched out a little bit. Um, so I don't know if I, I didn't really get to say it, but like, oh my goodness, is the Ed Sullivan parts of this so dry and so unnecessary. And is he, I, I don't need, I don't need the Ed Sullivan of it all, but other than Ed Sullivan, who's the reason this exists. Yeah. Um, it's a great special. Aren't the Ed Sullivan parts usually dry? Yeah. Was was Ed Sullivan just that dry normally? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't watch. I, I haven't seen a lot of clips of his show. Kind of, yeah. He was just, uh, he was a host. He was, he was the presenter, and he got out of the way when he needed to, and he got out of the way when he needed to here. So that's true. 
well, I have to say I, I quite love this special, and it's um probably top five Muppet Christmas stuff. Um, specials, not you know, probably. I don't know. I haven't yeah. liked them, but but you can make a good argument. Definitely better than Mr. Willoughby. All right. Definitely better than Mr. Willoughby, and I should also say better than the the face on the milk carton. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say I love that last song again. I think it was yeah. Sound like it was the Muppet performers doing the song that time. It didn't sound like they were doing any characters. They were just singing it. Hmm. Yeah, this is so charming, and it's so unfortunate to not have it in an official capacity. But I am very, very grateful we have this recording of it. I don't know what the legal reasons would be, but the the Ed Sullivan people did release that Muppets Magic DVD. Oh, you're right. All those Ed Sullivan sketches. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think last year, I didn't, I, I know for a fact, sometime within the last like three or four years, there was an official screening of this at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York. Oh, you're right. I did read that. Uh, December of 2021. Oh, wow. Just a couple of years ago. Yeah. So pretty recent. I think it was a double feature. It was a double feature with the Christmas story. Oh, what a double feature. Yeah. Am I the great Santa Claus witch? (laughs) (laughs) No! Uh, It's really a true testament to Muppet fans that this is as accessible as it is, and we know as much about it as we do. If if y'all go to Muppet Wiki and look up the great Santa Claus witch, you'll find, like, that magazine image that Tori was talking about, those watercolors I mentioned by Jim Henson, and even a company Christmas card from that year with a beautiful drawing by Jim, I think, of Santa and his elves and the frackles. Uh, Wonderful. Just a wonderful drawing. And interestingly enough, Thog and uh, Thag, but no Thig in the drawing. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's Thag with the beak. (laughs) Make that his name. (laughs) Yeah, come on, Muppet Wiki. Get get to it. We say it's Thag. This special is the one that I usually uh, start the Christmas season with. So, oh wow, yeah, great start! I'm one of those people who uh, like to celebrate before, I guess, after Thanksgiving. Rather, I start Thanksgiving week, start decorating and everything. But Muppet Family Christmas is one of the first things I watch every year. It's the last thing I watch. Okay, see, I, I, I usually end with Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, mm. but still right before Christmas, and then like right. Christmas Day is just whatever I feel like putting on. So this could end up being it at some years. Christmas Eve on Sesame Street gets put on then, but I just kind of mix it up, kind of like I do on the show. Well, I mean, with your job, you kind of have to start watching Christmas stuff in like October sometimes. Well, well, before that, before that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But this is when I'm like screening it with the whole family. Yeah. But thank you both for joining me on this very important rescue mission. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. And uh, apologies if I've apologized too much. Happens. If that makes you feel better to say you're sorry, if you just need to get it out, like it's going to be okay every time. Oh, well, thank you. So, yeah. But seriously, thanks for having me. I'm glad I could be here. Sure. So glad I was able to talk with you guys about this. Yes, thank you. One of your earliest episodes, you mentioned the great Santa Claus switch. I just kept wondering, when's he going to do it? When's he going to do it? When's he going to do it? I, I quite enjoy your show, and it's just it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on on your podcast. Is you know, recording podcast, one of my favorite things. Oh, thanks, y'all. Uh, and if people want to replace you with a similarly sized, colorful freckle, 
where can people find you on the internet if you wish to be found? Tori. Um, well, you can find me um, at Muppet No. That's the Muppets No Context on Twitter. There's a TikTok I forgot the password for. And there's an Insta- yeah, and there's an Instagram I never knew use. But if you're listening to this uh, when it comes out or a couple of days after, uh, we are currently running the uh, nomination process for the third annual Muppet Twitter Awards. Uh, oh, so yeah. nominate your favorite uh, uh, Muppet themed podcast. This podcast doesn't quite qualify because it's not Muppet themed enough. But hey, that's OK. No offense. I, I'll be fine. No offense. I mean, I love this show. Yeah. yeah, no, um, I love watching all of the award ceremonies y'all do. So, and it's 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 great. And um, so you can nominate your stuff now. Uh, the voting starts on January first, and the uh, ceremony will be live on YouTube uh, on January thirteenth uh, at eight PM EST. And this year it's a video ceremony, so you will Ooh. actually be able to watch it and not Ooh. just listen. Very exciting. Hoity toity. I have no idea who the guests are going to be yet. I have only booked one person. Oh, dear. Um, it's Alf. <laughs> no, no. I no. mean, Alf but, was probably available. I mean, I'll I'll talk to the guy. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Imagine if I got Alf. I feel like I could. I feel like that's reasonable for me to get Alf. Um, yeah, maybe next year. Um, but yeah, that's the Muppets No Context. Uh, you can also follow my uh, personal account on Twitter, at uh, SpellThings. Uh, that's because I I can't spell things. Um, I'm a very <laughs> bad speller. Uh, and you can also find me at the uh, uh, sandwich aisle of the local deli. Beautiful. And Tony. Uh, well, I don't really have that much of a. I keep a low profile on the uh, internet, but uh, you can find me on on Twitter, not X, on Twitter at Muppet Dude, and uh, usually. Online, I'm found uh, a lot on, on Muppet Wiki. I'm one of the uh, administrators there. And we appreciate your service. Somebody has to do it. That's right. Somebody does. Yeah, This these things don't just magically appear. <laughs> Somebody's going to update the Muppet Wiki with uh, uh, a thag. Someone's got to make a thag. <laughs> Y'all, please treat yourself. Check out all of those links. Check out Muppet Wiki. They're all in the show notes or at adventcalendar.house. You can find me at linktree.com slash adventcalendarhouse, and you can take it from there. But next episode, we're going to a Christmas carnival with some other familiar faces, including one that should be hibernating. Talk to y'all in a couple of days. Until then, for Tori Schmidt and Tony Whitaker... From a cave under the North Pole that may or may not be the size of Kazakhstan, this is Mike Westfall reminding you to always be careful of the icy patch. And when Santa shows you a terrible coin trick, just pretend to be impressed. It'll make both of you feel really good. Good night, y'all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. program was recorded. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. Yogi Bear is having his first Christmas. Lucky him he didn't hibernate. He'll finally get to see his first real Christmas tree. With popcorn strings and sparkling things that he helped decorate. It's, it's your, your first, first real Christmas, Christmas Yogi Bear. Bear.